Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. We are continuing our superhero series today. We've got one of these already on the podcast. If you want to check it out, it's the power of the Roth IRA. We talk about the superpowers of the Roth IRA. Today, though, we're tackling the HSA and the superpowers of the HSA. I'm here with Rochelle Smith. Lauren Merkel, Certified Financial Planner. And today on the show, we've got Anna Marie Morrow. She is the Director of Medicare. Okay, guys, you get one superpower. What would it be? To fly. Yes, Anna Marie Morrow, to fly. To fly. I like it. Where would you fly? Oh, just anywhere. This... So, you know, when you're little in elementary school and they always ask you what your dreams are when you're older... So everyone was putting down like occupations. I didn't understand that as the assignment. So I just put down, I wanted to fly like by myself. At the time it was that movie, The Boy Who Could Fly. Do you guys remember that in the 80s? Don't remember that movie, but I love that you were like, you know what, oh, my yeah. occupation would be to fly. Yeah, and I wasn't thinking of in an airplane either. No, nope, just, just fly, just arms out, fly, yep. fly over the world. Yes. I like it. That's a, that would be a great superpower to have. Rochelle, what would your superpower be? Uh, invisibility. <laughs> just would be invisible so no one could see me so i could just like sneak up on someone and scare them that is perfect for you you like to play pranks on people you like to jump out and scare people at work and invisibility that suits your personality perfectly. i mean i could grab anna maria's car keys and take her car farther than just the next over parking lot oh yeah that was your april fool's prank right yeah yeah good times Merkel, Lauren Merkel, Certified Financial Planner, Retirement Planner, and if you had a superpower? Superpower, ability to read minds. Oh. Reader. Now, here's the thing on that one. I just want to throw this out. Yeah, it could be dangerous. Do you want to be able to turn that off and on? (laughs) Because, like, right now, (laughs) you know what I mean? I don't know if you want to read this. I I know what you're thinking. (laughs) You're thinking I need a haircut. <laughs> I kind of already have the ability, but it would be nice to have it all the time, except for when I want to flip the switch. Okay. All right. Okay. So yes, the ability to turn it off would be nice. <laughs> At some point, you just want to <laughs> think good thoughts to yourself instead of having all these other thoughts coming in. That would be the, the, you know, yeah, the bad part is you could right. take in all the... I mean, no one thinks anything bad about you. No, uh, no, no you, not you, no, but no. you know, just but yeah. all the other negativity, <laughs> right, in the world. <laughs> yes. All the other bad things right. out there. All the bad things everybody's thinking about each other. <laughs> you know, it's not a bad thing—an HSA. It's actually got lots of superpowers, and that's what we want to discuss today on Retiring Today—a show that's you know for pre-retirees and retirees. But if you're listening and you're not 55 and over, an HSA can still be very powerful for you. So we'll have some great information uh, for anyone who is thinking about an HSA as a powerful investment tool. And we've brought Anna Marie Morrow in today because she is the director of Medicare here at Merkel Retirement Planning. Um, If you are a family that works with Merkel Retirement Planning, it's not just a financial advisor. It's not just a retirement planner. You work with an entire team. And Anna Marie, I think it's important to say that our team does include a director of Medicare. Kind of briefly tell people what you do. I know you do a lot of things here at Merkel Retirement Planning. We could do a whole podcast on all the things you do because you're part of the client experience uh, team as well. But in your role as director of Medicare, how do you help uh, the family? that we work with. Sure. So when families uh, get ready to retire or they're approaching the age of 65, um, that's where 
we'll sit down one-on-one and figure out what options look good for them, figure out if they're on a high deductible health plan, if they are making HSA contributions, let them know how that can play into paying for things in retirement and um, yeah, and figure out what plans are going to work best for them once they reach the age of 65. And there's a lot of strategies that go into that because we have to look at what their income planning has been years before and how taxes play into that. So there's a lot of components from each different department of Merkle Retirement Planning that plays into what they want to maybe do with regards to healthcare. So Lauren, the HSA, why is it such a superhero or why does it have so many superpowers for pre-retirees and retirees? One of the biggest wealth eroding factors of retirement planning is taxes. So the superpower of the HSA is all around tax mitigation and it really has this triple threat effect, right? When you contribute to it, it's tax deductible. So you're not paying taxes on those contributions. It grows tax free. And then when you take it out and apply it towards qualified medical expenses, then there are no taxes on those distributions as well. So it really helps stretch the dollar and it can really help retirees within their planning if they use the HSA to the best ability that they can. And Anna Marie, this kind of investment vehicle hasn't been around that long. It hasn't. So in the 80s and 90s, um, that Congress was looking at MSAs, so medical savings account. And then that evolved. They used specific focus groups on seeing what would work and what didn't. And then in 2003, uh, President Bush signed into um, effect HSAs, health savings account, which have boundaries. um, But really, like Lauren was talking about, the triple tax advantage was the main focus of what they wanted to put out there for people to use. Um, So yeah, it's an employer-sponsored health plan. You have to be on a high deductible plan. There are contribution limits within the year, but the investment vehicle piece of it and how to use it in retirement, it is really such a powerful vehicle to have on your side. So let's talk about who's eligible, right, Lauren? So if you have a high deductible plan through your employer, they always offer an HSA as well, or they sometimes offer an HSA? The the employer doesn't always offer an HSA, but the guidelines are if you have a qualified high deductible plan, you can obtain an HSA. So if your employer doesn't offer it, you can go to your local bank who offers it. You can go to a custodian like a Fidelity or Vanguard or TD Ameritrade. They offer HSAs. It's more of a federal benefit that provides the HSA availability with the high deductible plan. Good distinction. So let's talk about contributing to an HSA. What are the limits? What do contributions look like? So in 2020, uh, for an individual, it's $3,550. And then for a family, it's $7,100. But if you're over the age of 55, you get an extra $1,000 contribution for you. And if your spouse is qualified on the same pl- or on their own qualified plan, uh, high deductible, they can also make that extra $1,000 referred to as like a catch-up limit as well. So over the age of 55, you get that extra $1,000 contribution. And is this just like a 401k? You can just have it automatically taken out of your payroll, right? Some employers do offer that. And a lot of employers, especially the small employers, they don't have the automatic deduct, but you can set up an automatic deduct from your checking account to the HSA custodian. So it just depends upon what kind of plan you have, what the employer offers, uh, how you can actually contribute to the HSA. Uh, Some offer it and some don't. Should I only contribute to the HSA if I'm maxing out my 401k and my IRA first? Not necessarily. You do want to take advantage of the free money that the 401k plan may provide you. So if your employer is 
is offering contributions to the 401k plan. Make sure you're taking advantage of that. Uh, then you can go to the HSA, again, because of the triple tax benefits. And some employers contribute to the HSA as well. So you need to look at all of the benefits that the employer is offering you and make sure you structure the package that's most appropriately, uh, that, that is most appropriate for you in your situation, what you're trying to accomplish. Um, once I set up an HSA, once I get inside there, am I going to have uh, investment choices that I'm going to make or asset class choices I'll make inside of there? You will always have some investment choices. Now, those choices may be extremely limited depending upon what institution you set the HSA up with. As an example, if you set it up with your local small town bank, they may only offer CDs and savings accounts, money market accounts, something like that. So no market-driven investments. Some larger banks that have a brokerage arm will offer you some stocks, bonds, mutual funds in conjunction with their deposit type of accounts. Or if you go to a big custodian like a Fidelity, Vanguard, TD Ameritrade, you will have the full gamut available to you invest in. So the HSA itself does not limit you on what you can invest in. It's the institution, the custodian that you're using that, that may. Is one of those better than the other or not necessarily? Depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Obviously, if you're in it for the long haul with the HSA because of the triple tax benefits, taking some risk, getting a higher uh, potential return may be of advantage to you. But if it's a more of a short-term uh, venue for you, uh, then maybe the, the bank accounts will suffice. It just depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Okay, so let's talk about now. I think I understand how to set up and, and, and how to invest. What about when I need the money? How does uh, taking how do taking distributions work? So a lot of times you have a debit card um, that you can just pay with as you go to pick up your prescriptions or whatever you're using the funds for. Um, but yeah, typically it's a debit card. Um, you can do online transfers. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to yeah. vary per custodian. Yeah. So, uh, you can write checks a lot of times online. You can pay uh, debit cards. Mm -hmm. uh, it, just think about how, how you might pay from a traditional bank account. And most of the time it works the same way. And these things we're talking about are only when you're using it for whatever those qualified purchases are. You can use the debit debit card for some of the qualified purchases. What are those typically? Yeah, so this is kind of where it gets fun. I mean, it's as fun as taxes are. <laughs> it's really fun to Lauren discover. Lauren loves to talk about them. <laughs> I usually fall Don't asleep. Don't get me started. <laughs> if he could read my mind when he was talking about taxes, listen, guys, he would see that I was thinking about my reality show I like to watch, The Real Housewives. I don't have to read your mind because your eyes are usually closed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, back to the fun the part fun. the fun part of the hsa or what what can you spend the money on yeah so that's where it's exciting is um what i'm finding in a lot of my discussions with families is that they're not aware of all the great stuff that they can put this money to so the biggest exciting thing is it can actually be used to pay your part b premium in retirement, which is huge. It can be paid, it can be put towards paying for your long-term care services, your long-term care premiums as well. So there's a lot of great stuff that people are intimidated by going into uh, what healthcare can cost them after the age of 65. But if you've got, if you've been making your contributions, you have an HSA account, if you're able to um, use your current income as a vehicle to pay for your medical expenses and let that money grow, you're going to be having a much more secure retirement and paying for health care later on. So like, let's say also you're on an advantage plan, which is growing in popularity um, within Medicare. You know, a lot of times what we're seeing are zero pr dollar premiums. It's pay as you go. Well, you can use your HSA monies to fund those pay-as-you-go costs, your co-pays, your deductibles, your medications, Part D drug card, um, not the premium, but 
uh, the costs that go along with your medication. So, and then with uh, the CARES Act that was released um, earlier this year, now feminine hygiene products are a part of that as well. So things change every year. You definitely want to keep your eye out for what's considered qualified, but the list is growing and it's getting really exciting about, about where those cost-saving uh, things come into play. So I'm kind of hearing two things from Anna Marie here, Lauren. You can use it to pay for medical expenses, long-term care, health care, or you can pay those things out of pocket and hang on to the money. How do I make the decision, or is it a combination sometimes of both? The strategy is going to be dependent upon what phase of life that you're in. I would encourage a lot of pre-retirees, those who have reasonable cash flow coming in that is adequate to provide the lifestyle that they are looking for uh, prior to retirement to save that HSA, you pay, pay for these these other healthcare expenses out of the cash flow, the W two wages you have coming in, because there's going to come a time really shortly down the down the road that you're not going to have that W two cash flow, and that's where this HSA can really provide a boost to your retirement income by taking these qualified distributions, not paying any tax on them in in a time where you might have pension income that's all taxed or ordinary income, you might have Social Security income that update. 85% of that could be subject to tax. You might have our required minimum distributions, all this other stuff that you really can't control. You can't turn off once you turn it on. And the HSA is a good way to, to take care of some of the living expenses, the qualified medical expenses that inevitably you're going to have throughout the course of your retirement. Uh, and if you can allow it to grow, allow it to compound tax-free when you are in your working years, that could be a very powerful income strategy for retirement. Anna Marie, is it important to make the distinction between an FSA and an HSA? Is there some confusion there? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's a big one, too. Um, so a couple of the big differences between HSA and FSA, which is a flex spending account. Um, so let's say you're on FSA with your employer. If you leave your place of work, that money does not go with you. And also, if you do not use that money within that calendar year, you lose it. Whereas with an HSA, that will follow you wherever you go, and obviously it grows with you. So if you don't use it that year, obviously it will continue to grow. So those are two huge differences um, between the two. Also, what you can use it on, what you can't. Um, I know with FSAs, you can use it towards daycare expenses. So there are some added benefits there, but really there's a huge difference between understanding the two. And that important distinction between the FSA and the HSA, the FSA is that use it or lose it type of an account. And, and a lot of the families we work with, they're in that time frame that they're familiar with the FSA because they've been around longer and that's what they used to have available to them. And that's, that's an obvious disadvantage. If you don't use it by the end of the year, that money is gone. And sometimes they think the HSA works the same way where it's not. The HSA is always your money. You are going to use it. And even if you don't use it in retirement or pre-retirement, you pass away, it's going to go to your beneficiaries. So the HSA is always your money. It's going to be yours or it's going to go to a loved one uh, that you have if you don't use it all prior to passing. The FSA is more of that use it or lose it type account. Anna Marie, there are some important rules, though, you need to know about when it comes to an HSA if you've already started taking Medicare. Yeah, that's why one of the questions we ask as soon as we sit down with people is what type of healthcare plan are they on? Is it high deductible? Are they making contributions to an HSA? Because that could determine, you know, there are strategies around when electing just Medicare Part A. Let's say you are on a qualified group plan, you're turning 65, and you don't, so you don't need your Medicare Part B. But Part A could act as a great supplement. Well, if as soon as you turn on Medicare Part A or B, 
the contributions you've made to your HSA are no longer qualified six months previously. So up to six months beforehand, any contributions made no longer qualified. So that's why you really want to be thinking about in advance when you're going to be electing A and B, when you're going to stop making contributions, or if you're going to. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt. Yeah. What does the term no longer qualified mean? Uh, tax deductible. That Maybe. was, that was, the, that was, that was the, the first benefit of the triple tax threat. So you lose it mm -hmm. as soon as you start taking Medicare, but they even go back six months to the last. If you make monthly contributions, those last six are no longer tax deductible. Right. So, for example, we had a family member of ours call in. Actually, it was yesterday. He called in. He's 63 years old, and he had heard that when you elect your Social Security, it also counts as your contributions no longer being qualified up to six months in advance. Well, that only applies after you turn the age of 65 with Social Security. So that's a common misconception that people don't really know about. It's mostly as soon as you turn age 65, as soon as you elect A, B, or Social Security at that point, then your contributions are no longer qualified. So it sounds like there's, are there a lot of rules around the HSA? Or are these, are these just the two main ones? Are there several other little nuances like this? You both yeah. laughed. Oh. Why? <laughs> yeah, you both acted like, oh, good question. And then, and then no one said anything. Because I feel like we could go on and on about all the nuances of Medicare. Uh, you know, the Social Security book is big. The law book is big. Medicare is just as substantial, if not more. There's so many different if-thens. Uh, as an example, uh, there is a, in fact, you can't even read too much about it. I have not found some precise literature, even through the ssa.gov website or the Medicare website that says, if you, if you don't want to have the six month rollback, <clears throat> meaning when you file for Medicare, it's not going to look back six months, then you, there is an exception, but you have to actually go into the office. There's not even a form that you fill out. You have to verbally communicate them. You don't want you communicate to them. You don't want it to go back six months and then they'll give you that exception. Right, so that's, I mean, it's just some of this off-the-wall stuff that, that is hard to find anywhere. You actually have to be doing this every day to learn this kind of stuff. And then after the age of 65, just another nuance that goes along with it, if you do want to spend that money on medical expenses that aren't considered allowable, then it just acts as a regular Roth where then you would pay the income tax on it. So that money is still available to you to use on whatever you would like, um, but just be prepared to pay the taxes on it. And do you find that that does become uh, common, that people put the money into an HSA, they, they grow the money, and then maybe when they turn 65, they use it for stuff that isn't medical expenses? I don't know if common is, is a great way to describe that, but it does happen. Uh, but I think that most retirees, there's enough, there's enough things that you can take the HSA distributions out and use that do qualify that... Uh, most people don't find it too difficult to find a qualifying expense. And if you want a, a more exhaustive list of what can qualify, you can go to the ssa.gov website. Um, and there's other websites out there online that you can look at that will show you the real exhaustive list of all the different things that you can spend it on and still qualify. So the Social Security Administration outlines HSA spending on their website? You can find that information through that uh, irs.gov website. I think it's publication 502, something like that, <laughs> that you can find a more complete list. Oh, irs.gov, my favorite website. <laughs> <laughs> to your point, Fidelity did a study and it found that if a couple age 65 retiring in 2019, they could spend about $285,000 out of pocket in medical expenses. So talking about that HSA 
it's probably not too hard to spend that money. No, there's, there's, it's really because the HSA hasn't been around for that long. There are, there are contribution limits. It's really hard to accumulate that kind of wealth underneath the HSA. So because of all the different things you can take money out for and spend it on and it still qualifies, uh, it's not too difficult to spend whatever you've accumulated underneath the HSA in retirement. And that's why it's so powerful to save that while you have the cash flow coming in, right? Allow that, that money to grow tax-free, allow it to compound, 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 and then use it within your overall income plan once you do retire, if, if it's at all possible during the working years to save it. And this is a little contradictory to that question because we're saying most of the time you do spend this money on medical expenses. That that happens for most people. But again, let's just say you didn't. Do you find that occasionally people use this as part of their, their legacy plan? Yeah, they do. Uh, <laughs> a lot. Most of the time, though, it's unintentional. Most of the time they pass away uh, and there's a balance that's left over. There's not too many people that will specifically identify the HSA and say, I want to send this to my kids or my grandkids. So usually it's an unintentional thing. And, and But from my standpoint, from the planning standpoint, it's just nice to have that option. Coming from a, a world where they didn't used to have this option, where it was a spend it or lose it type of situation, it's nice to know that the risk is off the table as far as losing this money from that standpoint. You're going to use it throughout the course of your retirement or your kids are going to be able to use it. Somebody's going to be able to use it besides just losing it. Anne Marie, I think you said it best. There is a kryptonite we should probably talk about when it comes to the HSA, and Lauren Merkel is going to tell us all about it. The kryptonite to the HSA is really the contribution limits. As you had mentioned, Molly, uh, the study says if you're over 65, you're going to spend $280,000 on average for healthcare expenses. That is a big pot of money. And the HSA limits us to thirty five hundred a year or seventy one hundred, so it's thirty thirty five fifty or seventy one hundred a year. That that does not give us the ability to contribute enough to save for our healthcare expenses. It's such a powerful it's such a powerful superhero which such great superpowers. If we could contribute more to it, then it could play a bigger role within our overall retirement vision. So if there's one disadvantage of the HSA, it would be the contributory limits. And Lauren, I know one of your favorite things to talk about is taxes. Of course, being tax efficient and working with the families here at Merkel Retirement Planning. But you have developed a relationship with someone who's written a book all about taxes. And this is really exciting, kind of this partnership you guys have put together. I think there's very little doubt, especially now with all the stimulus and relief packages that are being uh, implemented, probably in excess of $10 trillion. We already have $23 trillion in debt on the books. Taxes are probably going to go up. So, so there's $29 trillion in retirement money. Most of that is pre, pre-tax money, which has never been taxed before. Uncle Sam knows that. An easy way to increase the revenue, the bottom line for the IRS is to increase our tax brackets, which are already at historically low rates. So David McKnight, he's an author, uh, authored many books. The One of the latest books is The Power of Zero, which is all about how to mitigate the impact of taxation, how to get out of these pre-tax accounts that you've been saving for decades and decades in the most efficient way possible. He's been gracious enough to put together an online workshop for us. It's going to air this month. Uh, go to our website, sign up for it. It doesn't cost you anything for it. Um, he, he's going to give us a lot of strategy around how to mitigate the impact of taxation in an increasing tax rate environment. So a very powerful online workshop and you have access to it through our website. That website is MerkelPlan.com, M-E-R-K-L-E Plan.com. Rochelle has already disappeared. She's gone. She's left the podcast. Bye. (laughs) 
Anna Marie is going to fly back to her desk. And Merkel, can you read my mind? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You're ready to get out of here. I'm, wrap, I'm wrapping this thing up. We will continue talking about all of the superheroes that can help you reach your retirement vision. On this podcast, it's Retiring Today, and we thank you for listening. Merkel Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. Do you find that occasionally people use this as part of their, their legacy plan? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sean available. <laughs> What's Abby doing? <laughs> <laughs>